Dr. Arnold Dubay. Now, all of you know him probably as Arnie, but you're going to get to know him better on today's episode. This is the Swarm Unplugged podcast, where we get to know the beat social community and encourage others to join us. With hundreds in the community, we want to get to know all of you better. From the newbie to the expert to the project partners, we will be learning who they are and how they can best benefit from Bees Social. I'm Christopher Knight, so let's get started. And a big welcome to everyone to this episode of the Swarm Unplugged. You know, I uh, have the, the privilege of talking to many people in the community that are some of the founders, uh, some of the, the some of the greatest minds involved in in the B social community, but I don't think anybody has uh, become more loved and and appreciated than our guest today. What we're going to find out today is about a man who has spent his life doing things for others, and we're going to find out who he is and what caused him to get involved in that way and spend his life doing it. That's what we're going to do. That's our intention. And I want to remind you, if you want to know more about him, uh, you should watch the uh, June uh, 30th whale tank, and you'll see a lot more about Arnie on that particular broadcast as well on Beast Social TV. But as, I, uh, as I'm obligated to do, I also have to bring on my uh, co-host. It is uh, it's something that uh, pains me at times because it's uh, just it's just something that I think if anybody else were in my seat, you would feel exactly the same way. But I'm obligated to do it because I have a contract with him. So I'm going to bring on our co-host, Mr. Tony Kay. You know, it's funny that you say that it's so painful for you, but I want you to know that your pain gives me so much joy and so much, see, I, see. I mean, I, I, I'm just saying. See how, that, see how that, you are? See, see, see what I put yeah. up with it, folks? This is what I put up I'm, with almost I'm every just, day. I'm just, I'm just saying that, that I, I get joy out of knowing it because, you, you know, right now you can't really get rid of me unless we end up, you know, in a legal battle and nobody wants yeah. that. But I do want to yeah. ask you something. Yeah. Do you know where we are right now? Uh, let's see. I'm in North Carolina and you're in Colorado. Where are we? We, we are in the middle of the year. We are dead center Whoa. in the middle of the year. Where did the year go? Does anybody know? I don't know. Where did the year go? Well, it's, uh, it's something to contemplate, isn't it? Do you know, in this, this environment that we're in, this, um, cryptocurrency, that we that that we're all excited about it's amazing absolutely amazing i mean it it's just a, it's a head scratcher isn't it? it oh big time yeah yeah so you never it's my mic it's my mic okay then? Yeah. oh yeah oh yeah yeah you just you you know, keep, keep messing with it yeah well i wish we couldn't okay. but go ahead go ahead anyway okay okay uh, okay okay so you're you're pondering uh, topics and we've got a, a lot more to ponder mm -hmm. today don't we uh, mm -hmm. we do yeah and I, we're pondering I, it. We're pondering it with a super. And in fact, what we call him is our silent hero. Is that, that uh, is true? 
That's a true statement. That's a true statement. I, 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 I wanted to talk about world affairs and religion and politics and all kinds of stuff that you always want to not talk about on these shows, but apparently I'm just going to get cut off and you're going to yeah. just roll over me and go straight to the guest. All right, let's take the emphasis off of me for a change, I guess. If our, yeah, if our, that's a, that'll be a big change. And I'm, wel I'm welcoming the chance to do that. So right now, our very special guest, Arnie. Come join us, Arnie. I could just listen to you guys for the rest of the day. Hi, Arnie. <laughs> Thank you How so much, you? Tony. Thank you so much. I'm fine. Thank you. Oh, it's uh, you know, you, uh, you can't live with him, you can't live without him. So, what do you do, right? In the process, you enjoy him, roll with the punches. Yeah, what do you do? Arnie, really, uh, a, a big welcome to the show today. You are uh, certainly extremely well respected by me and many others. And uh, today, we want to get to know you better. Uh, for example, uh, right now, what'd you have for breakfast? <laughs> oh, what I had for breakfast was, was porridge, and <laughs> one boiled egg, uh, some fruit, and my herbal tea. That's my breakfast. Okay, all right. Well, well, let's let's dig a little deeper and go a little further back in the history. Uh, uh, Ernie, when you when you first uh, realized that you wanted to get uh, into the humanity area and help people out. Uh, what was the trigger? What caused that? And how old were you? Did you tell us a little bit about the the history of Arnie. Well, let me back up a little. Um, I was born in the uh, country area of Guyana. And um, I grew up uh, with my grandparents. And during the early years, uh, early, my early teen years, um, I was heading down a path of socialism. It was something at that, at that time in my life that really captured my attention. And I was reading about Stalin and all these guys and uh, something about it that sort of made me tick. And so I began to go down that path. Somehow or the other, it made me feel a little good within myself. But just to back up a little on that, my grandparents were very, very staunch and well-respected Muslims. You mentioned my grandfather's name and everybody on the Esiquiwa knew him. He used to be the... Um, the agent for the Syrians who brought in all their clothing into the country. And he would just market that to all the, the stores on the Essequibocos. So he was well known. And so I grew up in an environment of, um, of strong, uh, a strong religious basis and, and foundation of Islam. But as a young man, Prior to my teenage years, somehow, I might, the question in my mind is that all this religious thing, all this uh, sacrifice that I am making, trying to follow this path, I am still feeling a vacuum in my life. 
And that was when in my, I was about, I was about 11, just about writing my, um, my scholarship exam. That's what we used to call it in those days, was uh, a British examination. And uh, in preparation for that. And so I began to read uh, a lot about socialism. And I think it was because my headmaster at that time, who studied in England and was a socialist himself, uh, he believed a lot in socialism. So he, some of his, his beliefs rub off on me. And I was really taking this thing on. I finished um, my scholarship and I went into high school. And during my early high school years, in, fa in fact, in, in, in my third year, I was really getting in to socialism. What it made me, it made me feel good. It made, made me feel big about myself. And in my teenage years, you know what, it, uh, you know, what, that, is, what that feels like. And I, myself and two friends, we rode six miles to school every day, to and from. And in the afternoons, when we would return from school, we would normally stop at a certain point. It was like a fork in the road. And there were some uh, posts that were there. And we would stop there and just chat for maybe a half an hour. And then we just take our different direction and we would go home. Uh, one day, it was a Scotsman who approached us. And he began to speak. And soon I discovered that this, this was a missionary guy from Scotland who was a missionary in Guyana. And um, he began to talk about, about Christianity. Well, I, I didn't know anything about Christianity at that age, apart from the fact that in school, we were studying a book called Acts of the Apostles. And um, that's all I knew. So the conversation went back and forth. To make a long story short, I was impacted by what that man had to say to me. It was as though he was telling me some things that were hidden in my life. As though he knew what were some of the doubts and struggles that I had. And he invited me to a meeting. And so I told my two friends, I said, let's go and check this guy out. First time I'm going into a Christian church. And I remember that night, his message was on the lost son. And when he spoke, it was as if he was talking to me. Because there was, an, there was a certain aspect in my life where I felt lost. I didn't worry about him. Went back. Two nights, the following night, I decided that... Um, I rode around by my friend said, let's go and listen to this. Uh, this I call him the white man. Um, and we went. And that night, his message was on the lost silver or the lost coin. Needless to say, it was like rubbing salt into the wound. I was restless. A night passed, and the following two nights later, 
I decide I'm going back to listen to this guy. There is something that this man has that I don't have. That was the 29th of January, 1965. It was a Friday night. And I never forgot it. He spoke on the lost sheep. That night, it was that it was as if my whole life was in front of my face. I was seeing myself. And at the end of the meeting, the people left this little building. And myself, I told my two friends, I said, I need to go and talk to this guy. You want to come? They said, sure. I went up to him. I didn't know how you oppressed. I've never been in a relationship or in a friendship with a pastor or a priest. I knew about the imam and the Muslim priests. So I went up to him and I said to him, I said, chief, what you said tonight doesn't make sense to me. So he said, what is it that you don't quite understand? I said, I think the guy is a foolish guy to leave 99 sheep and go and look for one. And he said, you really want to know why he did it? I said, sure. So we sat down on this little bench and he began to explain that whole parable to me. That night was a turning point in my life. I said to him, I said, Chief, if what you're saying is true, is what I am looking for. I am looking for something to fill this vacuum in my life. And he turned to me and he says, have you ever heard the name Jesus Christ? I said, I have heard it, used some in foul language. He says, I want to tell you something about it. I said, I've read about him in the Quran. In fact, I think I may have read more about him in the Quran than I'm, I have read about the prophet Muhammad. And he opened his Bible and began to speak to me. He was asking me to read from the Bible. First time I'm reading from the Bible. At the end of that meeting, I said to him, I would like to have what you claim that you have and what you have just showed me here tonight. That night, I literally asked God to forgive me of my life. And I said, God, if you are who you are, and Jesus, if you are who you are, I want you to come into my life. That happened. I went home. I'm not ashamed to tell you this. I grew up being a very racial person. You know why? When I was 13 years, Guyana went through one of the worst times in its life. We have seen, we saw massacre that we have never seen. 
since then nor before. And that country has not catch itself since then. So as a result of that, a lot of hatred built up, had built up in my life against people. One of the greatest miracles, I always say, that happened in my life was that hatred began to disappear. And I began to feel a love for people, the very people I hated. I would not even sit next to them. I would not even speak to them. And I couldn't understand what was going on in my life. I went back. This guy had left the coast and he went back to the city. But there was a, a local guy who was the pastor of the church. I went and I spoke with him. And we eventually started to study what the Bible is, has to say. And I'm sharing with him, this guy is a Negro guy. The very race that I hated to the core. And I began to develop a love for this gentleman. A love that supersede anything that I have ever had before. That gentleman and myself became friends and more than friends, like blood brothers over the years. I, I finished my high school and then I took on a job. I applied for a job with a sawmilling um, company. This was now in the city. And there was a gentleman from England very short, his name was Eric Vickers. He was the saw doctor of this huge sawmilling uh, company. And he came to me one day and he said to me, he says, Arnold, I would like to ask you a question. What would you like to do with your life? Well, I, I wasn't sure at that point. I said, I love what I'm doing. In this in the saw shop here he said i'd like to offer you an opportunity to study as a saw doctor you see i said to him i said are you asking me to study to become like you just like that those are my words <laughs> you know he says yes and you have the the potential to do that i did i studied under his guidance and leadership and qualified as a saw doctor. Shortly after that, my, he left and he went back to England. I worked with the company for just about uh, two, two and a half years. During that latter period of my life, age 17, 18, 19, I began to read. Read about men who have made impact in the world specifically missionaries, men who have gone into India, gave India their, it was a missionary who gave India their written language, men who went into Burma, men who went into um, Ecuador. And their lives begin to create uh, 
an impact in my own life. I had a dream. My dream was basically to study medicine and to come up to Canada and study medicine. But that was taking a turn. I began looking at people. I began seeing uh, their sufferings. I began feeling their pain. And when I was 19 years old, there was a challenge in my own life. And that challenge was a challenge toward missions. I wanted to be able to help people. And so on the 7th of January, 19, it was 1970, it was my first mission trip outside of Guyana. And it was to Trinidad. That trip was to be able to help a friend of mine who was a missionary in Guyana and had moved to Trinidad. He was a Jamaican. His name was Hudson Chang. And again, another man who had tremendous influence in my life was to, was to be able to help him build or put up a, a building on an empty lot where they will house a bookstore below and offices at the top. That was my first mission trip to Trinidad in, in 1970. During that time, I was involved with InterVarsity Christian Fellowship and into schools. So as I was interacting a lot with students, both at the university level and also at the um, at high school level, speaking at Bible clubs and speaking at camps and, and retreats as well. And so that is where missions begin began to take hold of my life. And, and I began to really sink my teeth into missions. So Arnie, you're telling me that you're saying in 1970, that is when you got the passion and the drive and you got the urge to be who you are today, to be able to share what you felt that you were blessed with and you felt the urge to go out and tell everybody about what you were excited about. And I, I, I got to tell you, it's what you've shared already is, is just it's heartwarming, and I and I knew you were going to do that. And I do want to ask you, just to fast forward a little bit more, and now you're in a place to where you're sharing things with people that is in, obviously, the, the crypto area, and you're sharing an amazing message, and you're about to do some wonderful things um, that you're going to be able to basically continue your your mission. And I, I, I want to ask you, how do you actually tell people about your excitement of the mission that you're currently on right now? How, how would you, how do you tell people? How do you express that, that, that passion that you have? Well, you first of all, first of all, what I do is I show people love before I tell them about love. And on my missions, uh, and 
we our organization is in uh, 64 countries and so when i was exposed uh, to um to be social and to be and to cryptocurrency there was nothing i knew about cryptocurrency other than i have heard uh the word cryptocurrency and i've heard the um, the word bitcoin but beyond that i knew nothing and so when this was made available and i saw how this could be able to help people but not just to help them in giving them something helping them to be sustainable to get to the point in their lives where they never thought that they could they could reach or achieve, or even achieve in their lives and i yesterday i shared a uh, one example, and maybe I'll share it uh, with you guys today as well. So what what I do is I have taken that message to the people and share with them that we are living in a world of transition. There are there, there, there are changes that are taking place at such a fast rate that we can keep up keep, we can keep up with it. And what I tell them, I said, listen. The early bird catches the worm, and this is where you are. Get on stream, and you're going to be ahead of the game. And as I tell them that, and I'm able to give them information uh, which I am receiving, it's creating a tremendous excitement about, about, among these people. So, so Arnie, are, are, you, are you hoping that in this 60 for countries that you have a presence and a, and, a, and obviously a, an incredible impact, is your dreams and your desire to take those 64 countries that obviously know who Arnie is, is, is your hopes to tell them about how they can better their life? And, and how would you explain that? And what would you... What, I mean, you're such an inspiration. I, I, I want to learn from you. So tell me, how, how would you say that to somebody that comes from, that, that doesn't have anything? What, what would you, how would you put that to them? Is that well, a better way of asking? The world is still learning about, about cryptocurrency and some of the tokens and coins that are out there. But what we are doing right now is we are working with, Ecuador, Colombia, Peru, and Panama, those four countries. And they have already seen what I have shared with them. It's not just a seed that has planted. That seed has been planted. It has grown. It's now blossoming. Mm. And the excitement is to see the fruit. And the fruit is going to be coming in a matter of days. Mm. In a matter of days. That, uh, that brings me to a very important question, and that is that we are we're in the early stages of uh, using the uh, Opus ID and OS and so forth to move across and use it to transfer it in tube. Uh, how, how, um, how do we explain that to the people you're bringing on right now? What I'll tell you what I did. What I did was when Opus ID was offered to us or was exposed to us. We embraced that. And I showed the people, I 
I told them, listen, this is the beginning of the new journey. All you've got to do is to download this app on your phone and you keep mining every single day. You will be seeing right before your eyes how many opus Rs that you are accumulating. And once you have done that, what the next stage will be when those will be converted into cryptocurrency. When we get to that stage and it is converted into cryptocurrency, that is when now, during this period, we'll be teaching you as we go along. It's a learning experience for all of us. So it's and really uh, it's a step-by-step step that you tell them about. Uh, here's our first step. The next step is coming and be, be mm -hmm. prepared for it. And then the third step is how to use it. So it's a, it really a stage, a stage process, right? That's right. And we went to the next, we went to the second stage. The second stage was when we told them about M2 tokens. And we said, listen, guys, we need to register all you guys on the M2, all you who are, all of you who have your Opus ID. You need to get this M2. And so we are teaching and training them. And so we, we have registered over 4,000 um, people on the, in their MetaMask. And we are in the process now of putting 1,000 M2 tokens into each wallet. Hmm. That is going to be done either this week or maybe early next week. Now, read that again. You're going to put 1,000 M2 into each wallet? Is that right? It, into each wallet. Each one of those 4,000 uh, people who have registered and have got their, um, uh, their MetaMask ID, we're going to be putting 1,000 into those uh, wallets. Wow. They haven't got it yet. They know it's, going to, it's coming. And they are so excited then I have a great surprise for them next week Tuesday, Next week, when I arrive in Ecuador. I'm leaving tomorrow for Panama, uh, meeting with our leaders in Panama, talking more about uh, cryptocurrency, talking about be, the, uh, our family, the Be Social family, what, who we are, what we are doing, how they are going to benefit from this as we work together to help lift them out of poverty and help them to be to have dignity of something that they themselves have achieved so when you say lead leaders who are the leaders you're you're referring to uh, uh, people um, that i've been working with in the past yeah now are some of those people also now dumb this down for me because i'm not sure i understand all of it uh, and uh, maybe some of the audience is in the same place but as M2 starts being used and exchanged, uh, I don't know if it's to be exchanged peer-to-peer uh, -peer or if it's going, it's going to have to be, as I understand it, maybe the local uh, a local store that uh, will be kind of a market maker. So they'll buy the M2 and then give them back in services and goods and so forth. How how does that process shake down? I, like I say, I may, I, dumb it down for me. Help me, help me understand. Okay. The, the first thing that we are doing 
is that we are teaching them how to use, how to mine M2s. That's the first thing we're doing. And then as they mine that, we our, our goal is to build 1,000 houses. While that is going on, we are going to be teaching these people to use their M2 tokens to purchase. For example, someone needs a chicken. Say they go to the other person who sells chicken and they purchase their chicken using their M2 token. Um, in a community, there may be uh, the signals for their Wi-Fi might be very low. There may be somebody who has a little bit of a, a booster or sound or be getting good reception. That person can have a little business where people can bring their phones not only to charge it, but to get their signals. They can pay with their M2. We have an educational program that will be coming out where you can have your from kindergarten to grade 12. And they can contribute for, toward their education using their M2s. And it is, it is to show them. We don't want to tell them what to do. No. We want to be able to get them to understand the flexibility, the, the advantages of M2. Let them use their minds and see what, oh, I can use M2 in this little business. Hmm. I can use M2 in that little business. So the so people how, that come along... How, how are they going to get the M2? I'm curious. So you said that they're going to get M2. How are they going to get the M2? Well, we are in, initially, we are helping them. We are helping them with mm -hmm. their M2 tokens. They're going to be mining those tokens on a daily basis. And as they mine those tokens, the whole idea, the challenge is that we want to see um, M2 reach $1. That's our goal. When we see that M2 has reached $1, we're not going to stop. Then there's going to be a tsunami. Hmm. Why? Ecuador, yes, have started. But Colombia is right behind them, alongside of them, just a little behind, but alongside of them, working toward the same. Panama is going to be is following as well. So there's going to be something that it's it's like um, it's like the waves of the ocean, one rolling after the other. A snowball effect, almost. It's going to have a snowball effect. Mm. Yeah, and well, I I'm excited about this. I, I know you're more on the inside than I am, but when do you think that the uh, Opus ID will actually be available for mining? That, I don't have an answer. Um, but I have, I mean, our guys in um, in B Social, uh, they, they are in control of that. Yeah. They would be able to tell us when, but we are not going to sit down and just wait. No, no, no. They need us just as much as we need them. Uh, well said. They're, they're well brains, said. but man, yeah. we are the people with feet on the ground. 
and we are the ones who have to make it happen. You are you are totally a driving force that's going to make it happen, regardless of what else is going on. At and what I think you said something in the program yesterday. You know, uh, no man has control; God only has control, and we're He's in control of this. So here we go. <laughs> but I mean, I see this whole process is a gift from God. Honestly, I look at um, people like Richie, and I've listened to him talk, and I see. God had his hand on this man's life from the time he was a young guy yeah. and led him in the right path. God has brought some unique people to work alongside with him to be able to do what they have done. We are the fruit of their labor. Yes. <laughs> you know, last night I looked at Ray and, you know, it was touching for him. You know why? His hard work is bearing fruit. Not only him, but you have got people like Mark and people people like Patrick and Richie and all the others within the team. All those guys. It's bearing fruit. Mm. And the yes. next stage that this is going to go is government level. Mm. Arrangements are being made to take it to that level and that is going to be done with the help the guidance and um the, the cooperation of our team we're going to work together on this this is not our mission as let's say my mission no 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 this is be social mission this is a family input the be social family when we get out there and we talk about cryptocurrency and m2 no 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 it's not about us it's be social and you know i i'm even more excited uh, uh waiting for when grupal is going to be coming on board mm. then that's <laughs> going to, that's going to be another thing <laughs> well, you know, we, we oftentimes, we're, we're always curious when this is going to happen, when that's going to happen. But you know what? Uh, from what I've seen, and of course, I've asked some direct questions here, which are, you know, I think fair enough to ask. But my, my true belief is things happen in their own good time. And right. with the driving force that you're putting behind it, it's probably going to happen sooner rather than later. But I do believe that what's happening when we have delays and various processes that are going on and be social, they they are they happen for a reason and it's usually a good reason. So anything I've asked you here, certainly understand it comes from that vantage point because I know there's no stopping you. That's for sure. And in fact, I have before we close because we're getting toward the end of our episode for this uh, segment of the Swarm Unplugged. I have. Uh, a little something on the side that I thought maybe might be of interest. One can only imagine the places you've been, the things you've seen, and the things you've done in your life. And we are very proud to know you and to have you as part of this community, aren't uh, Very proud. Tony, would you like to say something before we close? Yeah, you know, uh, Arnie, I... I, I, we obviously put together uh, something there, and every time I see it, 
uh, I think of just the impact that you have. And it actually always, even though it's a new thing, it brings tears to my eyes. So I thank you for bringing a real touch to all of us and uh, the humanity that you show and the grace that you have and the elegance that you portray is is something to admire. Thank you. You're welcome. And, and Ar Ar Arnie, is there anything you would like to say before we close? Oh, yeah, just very briefly. I don't take credit for any of this. In all my work, I've in the past years, I have seen the hand of God behind it. And I've said to people before, and again, just recently, when God is in something, don't stand in the way. You will be bulldozed or you will be removed. And that's how I see be social. This is of God. And this is going, this is going to pick up some momentum that you and I never would have expected. I believe that. I want to say thank you very much. And I am so happy and proud to be a part of Be Social family. Thank you again. Thank you, Arnie, very much for being on this episode. Uh, it's been our pleasure. Thank you again. You're welcome. Thank you. And to our illustrious co-host, I uh, think probably uh, we have uh, far exceeded some of our other efforts through such a dramatic individual. What do you think? You know, I, I tell you, it's, uh, it's sometimes hard to top um, some of the people that we have on here or even equal them. But um, we've really set the bar high <laughs> with Arnie. And uh, I really hope that that video uh, really touches people's hearts because there was a lot of love and, and stuff that went into it. So I, I hope that, I hope it does what it, what it was intended to. Thank you. Thank you, Tony. It's a, it's a pleasure having you uh, by my side every, every, uh, every week. And I appreciate, your, appreciate you so very much. Uh, thank you. That'll wrap it up for today. And thank you for joining us on the Swarm Unplugged. Uh, we are available for live every Tuesday and Thursday at 1 p.m. So I hope you'll come back and join us because next week we have some extremely exciting guests as well. And until we see you again, always remember to listen, learn, and give. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Swarm Unplugged podcast. Be sure to hit the follow button and leave us a glowing comment. Gravitate yourself to be on the podcast so you are the next one to introduce themselves to the Be Social community. See you on the next episode.